as a little note of encouragement if you need it. Just take it day by day. Know that the plans are going to change and know that that's part of the plan. You don't have control over all these little things and that's okay because the end result, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> you, we look at Owen right now in our arms and every little piece of him is just absolute perfection. And on that crazy April day when we found out his diagnosis, it was really dark. Um, it was really, really dark for us and everyone around us. And now all we see is light. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. We're so excited for this bonus episode today. As many of you know, we batched ahead of Abby's new edition, but we decided we wanted to do an episode that focused on the exciting things that have been happening in her life. And Abby is our type A Enneagram 3 lover of doing things. <laughs> so she, to say the least, does not mind doing this episode. She's on maternity leave right now, but it is a blend of newborn snuggles and she does like a sliver of adulthood and talking to adults. So she does not mind being here. I wanted to mention before we dive into all the questions, episode 22. It is our heaviest episode that we've ever done because at that time you were really in it. You had just received the Down syndrome diagnosis. Does that feel like a long time ago now? Yeah, and even when I'm thinking back, that was, gosh, was it six days after we received our news that we recorded that? So pretty fresh. It was in May, so it's been four months. I think the reason it feels like it's been so long is because so much has happened since then. We've had... 37 doctor appointments, we've learned about, we've met our son, we've become closer as a family, we've learned different pandemic times, just so many things happened in those four months. But at the same time, it kind of seems like a blink of an eye, because I can't even remember being 22 pregnant, 22 weeks pregnant at this point. Like, gosh, it, it just, it goes so fast as well. And if you guys missed that episode, I would go back and listen to it. Because it just shows the messy middle. Mm -hmm. Like we, you, we did not have anything figured out. We were just showing up as is um, to kind of show you guys, like you go through really hard things in life. And a lot of times we don't see other people's hard things. Um, but now to be where you are today, where Owen is today, it's just been a, truly incredible thing to watch. Um, I know the first time that I met Owen, Abby and I both felt really emotional, <laughs> which is like you're meeting your child's or your friend's child. And so that's always an exciting experience, but not necessarily emotional. For me, it was just 
that I had seen this whole journey that Abby was on to meet this baby. And and now he's here. Like Owen's here. He's beautiful. He is healthy, doing so much better than expected. But let's back up for just a minute. It seems like yesterday you were 37 weeks pregnant and you learned that your baby was breech. <laughs> Tell us, how did you deal with that? And then I want to get into what you did to try to flip him and then what eventually worked to flip him. <laughs> so at 37 weeks, first of all, we felt really lucky that we made it to 37 weeks. So I think at like week 30, 31, they let us know that many times babies with Down syndrome come early. Yeah. So right away, we're like, okay, this baby could come this week. And at that point, we were having twice a week check-ins just to make sure he could still stay inside. So <laughs> make it to 37 weeks. We're like, okay, we, we got here. But he's what? He's head up? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Until that point, our midwives were like, you know what? Everything has been different this pregnancy between the pandemic, the diagnosis, everything afterwards is obviously going to be different. Let's make labor as similar to what you want as possible. That being said, as soon as he was breached, everything turned around. So literally turned around. <laughs> um, and at that point, I was like, of course, of course, this had to change. Like nothing is going to be going as planned. But it wasn't a negative energy around it. It was a this is a third different pregnancy in a different time with a different baby. And it's going to be different. And I wasn't even upset about it. I, I mean, I probably was a little bit upset about it. But I just knew that the way he was going to come into this world was going to be different. And I was going to be okay with it. Well, honestly, I was so proud of you because when you told me, I was like, oh my gosh, another, <laughs> another thing. Like just, I told Drew, I'm like, I just want one thing to go her way. And it's like, this is just another wrench in the journey to meeting this baby. And Abby and I were joking. We're like, I mean, this child has <laughs> so many tricks up his or her sleeve. Because um, at the time, we didn't know it was going to be Owen. Um, but then dive into but you so you were pretty accepting and positive. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you did try every single sure. thing. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, I'm like, well, if there's something I can control, like, I I'm at least going to give it a try. So I'm, he's not going to be born via C-section because I didn't try. So we did headstands. We did weird swimming tricks. I did a lot of acupuncture. We did this thing called moxibustion where they burn some kind of weed at your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Chiropractic. We literally tried all of the natural remedies. And at that point, it was like, this baby's this baby's staying head, head up. Like, it's just, he's stubborn. It's for some reason, some way, he's going to be head up. So we did schedule the ECV. I can't say all those letters. Well, Cephalic version. There you go. Good job, nursing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is where they manually flip the baby. So, so on the outside oh. with their hands, they try to turn the baby. Yep. One person lifts the baby out of your birth canal, and then the other person flips the baby. And it only takes about 20 minutes. It's a fast procedure, but it can be very painful, and it's like a 50% success rate. So not very good, but we went in there. We're going to give it our fighting chance, even knowing the odds. Uh, they recommended a spinal block. And I'm a person who doesn't even really take Tylenol if I have a headache. Like I just don't do well with pain medications. Yet somehow I said yes to the spinal block because they said it. Probably because you were low <laughs> blood sugar. Because you, oh, I was very hungry, very thirsty. You can't eat or drink anything beforehand. So it had been like 12 hours. But they gave me the spinal block, numbed everything. It was the fastest flip 
that the hospital had ever done. Everyone was super, super excited. And then I crashed, which means my blood pressure went down to 60 over 40. Owen's heart rate dropped intensely. I blacked out. Like, I don't know what happened. My husband, Colin, was freaking out. Moral of the story is we are okay now, obviously. Everything turned out okay, but it was a really scary couple of hours. We were in the hospital for like an extra seven hours waiting for not only the spinal block to wear off, but also for us to all kind of recuperate and get back to normal. So Abby and I text on our favorite app like all day, every day. And I remember that day very well because I was waiting to hear if it worked or not. And she sends me this picture of which she looks so disheveled that I don't even know how to explain it. We'll share it in our Instagram story (laughs) to pair with this episode. But she had looked like she had been through the ringer, which obviously, you know, a crashing patient has. Um, But it was just one of those things where it was positive news, like the Baby had flipped right away, but it was just another really eventful um, situation that wasn't expected. Okay, so then uh, because of the Down syndrome diagnosis, we knew that Green Bean was going to arrive on or before August 24th. 39 weeks was the golden ticket. They don't want babies with Down syndrome to stay in any longer than that. Um, So it was really, you know, kind of miraculous that he made it that far. It felt like you were ready for anything at that point, like you were ready for the idea that you might need to be induced on that Monday, August 24th. But we did go on a five-mile walk to try to get you in labor. It was like right when you were at, I don't know, 38 and 5, you were like, okay, down for anything. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, we went for that walk. It was on a Wednesday. And so I was going to be induced the Monday after. And I remember going in, you're like, we'll just go for one mile. We'll just go for two (laughs) miles. And it's a loop. So once we got two and a half miles in, Amy's like, well, we're going the full five. Like, it can't really turn around now. I remember having so many contractions during it. Like, I'd, like, stop at some points because it was like, okay, these are really picking up. Like, they weren't frequent enough to be in labor, but definitely different than ever before. literally weaseling my way into the birth story. (laughs) Amy, can you drive me to the hospital? (laughs) You'll be my plus one, whatever that is. And then it was just two days later that I ended up going into labor. So that was a pretty quick turnaround after that. So did you, again, for those of you that don't know, Abby is a little bit uh, whimsical. Because I think, I guess when you... Anyways, you try a lot of different natural remedies in a in a bunch of different areas. So what did you do to try to put yourself into labor? Yeah, so I started on like the red raspberry leaf tea just to prone the universe, <laughs> u- universe prone the uterus. Can you guys tell I'm in a little bit of a newborn haze here? Uh, and then that morning I did a membrane sweep. So Friday morning came, did a membrane sweep. I was at one centimeter dilated yeah. for anybody who like keeps track of those things. It was the first and only time I was actually checked this entire pregnancy. And then later on that day, I also booked an acupuncture appointment where they put specific needle points in different parts of my body to kind of like help labor along if my body was ready and we're leaving and being like, I don't feel any different. This doesn't feel any different. But sure enough, I think it was like three hours later, 
my water broke. So you were walking up the stairs to go to bed or to put your kids to bed? Yeah, it was the sweetest part. I'm not even sure if I told you this entire part of it yet, Amy, but I remember I was like bouncing on a ball and it was like 7 p.m. And then we went to go put the kids to bed and Lucy, our four-year-old, was like, oh, mama, can you not walk? And I'm like, oh, I can walk. She's like, I want to hold your hand. And I'm like, okay, which she's like our independent child. So she's holding my hand. And then, of course, Micah has to do everything his big sister does. So I'm here holding both of my kids' hands, walking up the stairs. I get two stairs up. And all of a sudden, I felt this like really intense pressure. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And then I was soaked, like (laughs) absolutely soaked. I was wearing Birkenstock sandals uh, that now are covered in amniotic fluid. So (laughs) every time I wear them, I'm like, that's not the color that they're supposed to be right now. And that's how labor started. It was 730 on a Friday night after doing all the really crazy acupuncture and, and Eastern medicine type of you know stuff. What? At that point, it's like, who knows what worked something right. or if it was just the baby was ready to come. I think that's the hilarious thing about the end of pregnancy is you'll do anything to go into labor that you did so many things that you couldn't tell someone what the thing <laughs> that actually tipped you in. We're probably all just joking ourselves and the baby just it wants just come to come. Really actually come. Yeah. Okay, so then tell us a little bit more about your labor and delivery process. So went, water broke, 7.30 p.m., and I went upstairs. We put the kids to bed. We took a little bit extra time putting them to bed, knowing this was our last time as a family of four. And then I went downstairs to clean up all the amniotic fluid that was all over the first floor. It was a lot. I had extra fluid. So pair that with water breaking and there was just a lot of fluid. And I came back upstairs and Colin had called the neighbors to come over, called his mother, had like all the bags packed, car was running. He's like, let's go. Let's go to the hospital. We're ready to go. I'm like... I'm going to go actually lay down and take a nap. He's like, are you kidding me? Because with both other pregnancies, baby came within like an hour after my water broke. So he was ready to go. But I knew that it was going to be a long haul. So that whole night, contractions were inconsistent. But um, we kind of like labored through the night. I tried to sleep as much as possible. Called the midwife that morning and went for a walk. And when we went in, still like nothing was going on. So we tried the breast pump for a while kind of worked, didn't really work. And that's when they started Pitocin. And that was one of the biggest reasons I didn't want to be induced was because people had like horror stories about Pitocin. But I can tell you that my experience with it was actually really good. Yeah, it goes really good. Uh, You don't get a whole lot of break in between. So that's definitely a piece that is very, very true. So what that means is, is I was feeling like 20 to 30 seconds of the contraction, but on Pitocin, you feel the whole 60 to 70 seconds. Um, I mean, labor was long. It ended up being 21 total hours, which I'm kind of used to long labor, so that might scare a lot of you, but I did sleep for a good, like, 12 hours of it. And we really just were trying all these different things. The birthing ball, the birthing tub. Making out. Making out, (laughs) which everyone thinks is so funny, but it increases oxytocin. And our doula, we had a doula at this birth, she recommended getting our smooch on, and it did. It, it, It intensified the contractions, and that was what we really wanted to happen, was them to be closer together. And at 11, so we started Pitocin at 11, at 145, still really no movement. And that's when my midwife sat me down, and she was like, Abby... I think you have a mental block. Like, you know, you know that this baby is safe on the inside. But what you don't know is how this baby is going to be on the outside. And 
just know that whenever this baby comes, you're going to still have the same situation, the same problems, the same magic, the same whatever it is. The outcome is going to be the same. It's just whether do you want this baby in your arms in the next few hours or do you want to wait a long, long time? And I think it was that mental block that I didn't even know I had up, like this barrier of safety on the inside, like knowing that he or she was so safe, knowing that I had control over what was going on when he or she was on the inside that I wasn't letting him come out. And it was, gosh, five minutes after we had that conversation that I took some deep breaths and instantly contractions started picking up. And it was, I don't even know how the midwife knew. Like, she's just really intuitive. It's its Jody with the UW Midwives. She's an absolutely incredible. And I think she was just really intuitive knowing what was going on in my mind and how that mental, physical connection is so real with everything in life, but definitely with something as big as Well, yeah. I mean, if you can't also just like let your pelvic floor ever get any relax and you're just holding on to tension, that does definitely impact things. Okay. So give us the juicy part of the delivery. Yeah. It was two hours after that. So it was super, super fast after that. Not even two hours after we had that conversation that he was in our arms. Um, I mean, it was fast. I was also super loud, which I learned afterwards that, Amy, you labor, like, silently. Which I'm like, what? <laughs> Drew calls me Drew calls me a Scientologist because I don't think they're allowed to talk during labor or make noise. But, I, I mean, any which way people can get their baby out, I think should be supported. <laughs> so, Abby let the whole floor know that um, she was everyone. in labor. <laughs> and two of our podcast listeners, so Amy and Ashley, they were actually helping us out. So, Ashley, you probably have all the ins and outs of how freaking loud I was during this whole process. But we, yep, we labored for a while there, and all of a sudden I started to feel really pushy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is happening. And I didn't want to say it out loud because I was afraid that if I said it out loud and it was still going to be 10 more hours till the baby came, that I'd be kind of like calling a bluff out. But I felt pushy and none of the team was there. So because of his diagnosis, we needed to have a whole bunch of pediatric care there and nobody was ready for it. My midwife actually wasn't even there. She was helping other people. So they had to be like, hey, Abby, I don't want to scare you, but none of the team is here. So you cannot deliver this baby right now. Cross your legs now. <laughs> So somehow I held on for the, I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes that it took to get the team there. And he was born within just a couple of pushes. And I remember when he came out, his cord was super short, which is probably why he was so breached for so long. But his cord was super short. We were able to look down. And I didn't even notice if he was a boy or girl at first. I just noticed, like, how beautiful he was, like, in my arms. And being like, wow, like, my my son is here. Our, Our baby is here. And that's when Colin was like, it's a boy. Like, we have a son um, and he's here and he was breathing and he his heart sounded good from like the looks of it his color was good like all the things that we didn't know would be part of that birth experience were all unfolding um just one after another and I didn't know if I was going to be able to even hold our child so the fact that he was able to be in our arms and never left our arms the entire hospital stay was just such a blessing and the most beautiful thing to me was seeing you and Colin afterward. I'm saying from the pictures that you guys were sending me, because you guys had this glow. And honestly, you can't fake 
that kind of happiness. Um, so just to see it all come together was so beautiful. Were you worried at all with this new diagnosis that the experience of meeting the baby would be different? Right away, I was so scared, Amy. Like people kept on saying, once he's in your arms, once he or she is in your arms, everything is going to come together. Like once once your baby's here, you'll understand that he was made to be yours. And I was like, but what if I don't? Like, what if I'm the mom who I see my baby and it's not like that? And it was true, though. Like, as soon as he came out, I knew that he was made to be our baby. He was created perfectly, exactly as he should have been. And he was Owen. Like, even when I look at him now, like, I don't see a diagnosis. I don't see layers and layers of doctor appointments ahead of us. I don't see echocardiograms and hip issues. I see Owen. I see our baby. And that just feels really, really good. As you can probably hear, Abby and I are both just crying over here because it was, I think the thing is, there were just so many unknowns as I include myself in this story. (laughs) But we were like, okay, is Abby going to be in the NICU for a week? Is, you know, there were just, it was like your mind couldn't even run away with all of the unknowns, but essentially the birth experience and the postpartum experience went far better and more normal than we had prepared for. The doctors had prepared you guys. This might be a different experience. Mm-hmm. You might. This might be a NICU stay. Um, so I think just to have such a beautiful ending was a really cool part. It was so cool. It was so cool. And even now, like Kyle and I constantly look at him, and we're just like, this is so much better like every little tiny milestone feels so good because we just weren't expecting any of this piece right now um at the time of this recording he's 11 days old and he has spent every moment besides just a couple of minutes (laughs) in our arms and that's just yeah we just aren't taking things for granted and i think that we we did with other babies and we just aren't taking anything for granted with owen And to your absolute credit, especially with your personality type, being able to take things step by step has just been the only way that you could kind of go at certain points of this journey. Um, And now you are in the throes of newborn life. Just before recording, we had a feeding session, a soothing (laughs) session. We've had... uh, very poopy diaper today urine spring everywhere it's it's newborn life over here and that is for sure add in some extra appointments for this extra special baby how are things really going how is home life is it better or worse than you expected so we have some feeding issues um we were able to breastfeed for just over a week and then he wasn't transferring milk as well as the doctors wanted to. So, aka, not having the, as many wet diapers and not gaining weight. So we have switched to exclusively pumping, which is a labor of love. So anybody who's out there who's pumping, cheers to you. Um, that it is a lot of work, but you, we know that we're feeding our babies and we're very much okay with it for right now. It's just a lot of work. So that part has been an, an experience that we knew could be part of our story. And we're living it right now and trying to figure it out. The extra doctor appointments, I just feel like every single day is like, oh, what do we have on the agenda today? Like, it's not it's not a boring maternity leave yeah, because yeah. we have so much going on every single day. And we keep thinking it's going to slow down, but then something else will pop up. So not negative, but just a lot is going on 
it's not it's not boring that's for sure I also remember when you were telling me that you might that babies with Down syndrome can have feeding issues and you might have to exclusively pump and you told me I'm not going to be able to do that and I said Abby you would be able to do it if you wanted to um, and if that meant that you could breastfeed him down the road because you know we support every type of feeding that people feed but Abby loves breastfeeding yep yep And so sometimes I think for me, one of the huge lessons that Owen has already brought into my life is like, you don't know what you can do until you don't have a choice. It's like you're put in a situation, you experience adversity, and you get through it. And you get through it. And you do it. Like you do the hard thing that you never thought you'd do. You do the hard thing that you told one of your best friends you weren't going to do. (laughs) And now it just doesn't even seem, it's like, yep, every three hours when a little alarm goes off and... I pump. <laughs> I think the most beautiful way that we could end this episode is for you to give a word of encouragement to those that maybe just received an unexpected diagnosis. And it can be, I'm trying to even think of how to frame this. Think of it as any type of diagnosis or any type of really hard thing that you may be going through. You can't just look at the end, but you can't also just stay put at the beginning. Because when you stay put at the beginning, it feels really uncertain. There is so many scary things ahead of you. You really don't know where to go. But there are people and places and resources along the way that really help you take those first few steps. You you, you crawl first, and then you take those steps, and then you start to walk, and then you start to run. And it's not that it gets easier every single day. It just feels easier because you're further along in that journey. And when I look back, the things that I had no idea I'd be able to do, didn't think I'd be strong enough to do, now I'm like, hey, we we did those. Like, we conquered those. Those were really hard challenges that we were able to get through that we didn't even know were, were possible at that point. So as a little note of encouragement, if you need it, just take it day by day. Know that the plans are going to change. And know that that's part of the plan. You don't have control over all these little things and that's okay because the end result, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> you, we look at Owen right now in our arms and every little piece of him is just absolute perfection. And on that crazy April day when we found out his diagnosis, it was really dark. Um, it was really, really dark for us and everyone around us. And now all we see is light. The tears will stop falling one day, even though it seems like that's not going to happen. And it's been really beautiful for the community to watch. And like the fact that on episode 22, Abby showed up so raw and vulnerable. Um, I think that we wanted to do this episode to show this part of the journey to share her good news. We know that there's a lot to come, but it's a beautiful place to be.